30 insider tips to help you raise more money with your next pro-life fundraising event. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to this edition of the Love Times 2 podcast. This is a very unique episode because I'm going to be speaking at a very functional brass tax level to everyone listening who's involved in planning a pro-life fundraising banquet. And I'm going to give you some very easy insider tips that I've learned over the course of 30 years of involvement with fundraising banquets, receptions, and just about everything in between. I've been in charge of small events. I've been in charge of pro-life banquets with over 2,000 guests. So I know these tips are useful. I know they can be productive for you if you're willing to make the effort to apply some or all of them to your event. And I really hope that you do that because I want you to raise more money so you can have more ministry opportunities. And in the context of this discussion, in the context of Love Times 2's ministry, uh, that means increasing your ability to help save more lives and to reach more women in need. So I hope that this will help you raise the funding that you need. And remember, fundraising is not something to be shy about or to treat like it's a bad thing. As I've said before, in other episodes. The only reason you should hesitate to ask for funds for your ministry is if you're not using the money the right way in the first place or if your ministry is not doing the right thing. And if either of those applies to you, you shouldn't be raising money at all. Uh, but you know, this is for those of you who are in pro-life ministries who want to grow, who want to be more productive, and who want to take advantage of more opportunities that are out there. Now, just one more thing before we dive in. If you haven't listened to an earlier podcast of the Love Times 2 Banquet titled five ways to supercharge your fundraising banquet. Now's a really good time to do that. You can go to Apple Podcast and uh, find that episode and it will help you get the the bigger picture uh, of what I'm sharing with you here and help you to uh, get a grasp on those five really overarching things that I'm not going to talk about necessarily in this episode, but that's really a prerequisite uh, to these tips that I'm going to share. Now, through the course of this three-part series, and I'm going to break this down into three parts because I've actually got 30 tips uh, that I'm going to share with you here, and we're going to break those down into 10 tips per episode so you don't get bored to death listening to uh, 30 tips in a row, Uh, but I'm going to break it down into to 10 tips per episode and uh, just give you uh, what those tips are and give you a little explanation for each one of those. And, uh, you know, some of these episodes may be a little bit longer than normal, but hang in there. Uh, I think it will be worth the listen for you and will help your event become more productive. And now you can get maximum benefit by sharing this episode with everybody who's on your banquet planning team, your board of directors, whatever you want to call it. So if you want to really get the thought processes going with uh, with the group that uh, you are working for and that you're going to be doing this event for, uh, share the episode and uh, have dialogue and discussion on this. And on any of these tips that I share, if you have any questions on them, you have a follow-up question, you're not quite getting what I'm saying about something, uh, feel free. You can uh, contact me at podcast at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, the number 2.org. And I'll be happy to uh, expand on anything or answer any questions that you might have. So with that said, uh, we're going to dive into our top uh, our top 30 insider tips, and we're going to take the first 10 in part one of this series here, okay? So number one, um, this may seem like a really minor thing, but it really is a big thing. It really can be a big thing. You want to have seating at the side of the stage 
where everybody who's got a part of your program, it, it's sort of like you think of baseball, you think of the bullpen where pitchers warm up and get ready, you know, to be called into the game. Uh, this is your bullpen for a pro-life fundraising banquet. You have seats at the side of the stage so that everybody who has anything to do with the program is seated at the side of the stage at least within 15 minutes prior to when they're scheduled to be speaking or performing or whatever it is on the stage. Uh, that's really key. Uh, and you want to have one person in charge of making sure those people are there. Now, just to drill down on this a little bit, your person who's in charge of this, they need to have the exact program agenda. They need to know who is doing what on stage at every minute of the program, and they need to know where everyone is at in the room uh, so that if Joe Smith is supposed to be speaking in 30 minutes, they need to know what table Joe Smith's at so that they can go to his table uh, 15 minutes before he's scheduled to speak and ask him to move to the front of the stage and take his seat so that when his name is called, he doesn't have to work his way up through the back of the room. He's already up there at, at the stage and ready to walk on and do his portion of the program. And again, this may sound like a minor thing, but if you want a streamlined program, Having people in place and ready for their portion of the program is absolutely critical. And a streamlined program, I believe, is critical for you to raise maximum funds at your event. Awkward programs that drag out because stuff like this, the little details aren't taken care of, uh, it just brings the evening down, and I really do believe it affects your fundraising. So tip number one, have seats at the side of the stage and have everybody who's a part of the program uh, up at the side of the stage ready to walk up at least 15 minutes prior to when they're scheduled to be on the stage and have one person in charge of making sure that that happens. Okay. Tip number two, have action items at the table for people to use and take advantage of. In other words, you don't want to put stuff on a table in the back of the room and then ask people to pick it up on their way out because most folks aren't going to do that. I hate to break it to you, but most folks at the end of the evening, they're going to be leaving. They're not going to stop somewhere at an action item table and pick stuff up. So you want to put stuff like if you want a petition, for example, to be circulated, have that at the table so it's convenient for people to have right there uh, in front of them. Now, there's a trick to this because you don't want to throw everything in the kitchen sink on the table. You know what I'm saying? You don't want like a like Heritage House's a magazine selection just kind of exploded on everybody's table. That, that's way too much. It's an overload. Uh, people aren't going to read all of that, and you're just wasting your money on putting a lot of literature on the table, and it just doesn't look nice. So you have to be very selective on what your action items are. But again, if it's something like a petition or a sign-up form for an event, um, have that at the table. And then during your program, don't presume that people are just going to see that petition, know intuitively what to do, and circulate it, because they probably won't. That's not going to happen. You have to have your MC or somebody else in the event specifically draw attention to that action item and have people do what you want them to do. Now, a trick of doing this is you ask one person at every table to pick up the action item and hold it up that way you've uh, you can look across the room and see people are actually paying attention to this you've now drawn their attention to it and then you encourage them uh, to pass it around the table you walk people through it don't put it on there passively and expect people to do it be selective uh, but don't be passive about encouraging people to take action tip number three you want to have earpieces for all of your key volunteers and this is particularly important in larger venues whether it's the phone that they're connected to or whether it is a uh, you know a two-way radio that you want folks connected to, whatever type of communication device you're using at the event, earpieces are critical. And I'll tell you exactly why. When you get into an event, and particularly a larger event, you're going to have conversations going on, the crowd noise,
noise rises, stuff on stage is going on. Maybe you have music going on from on stage. And I can't tell you how many times, particularly at the start of an event where everything seems to crush down into a five-minute window of extreme activity, um, you may have two or three people waiting to talk to you or whatever. I can't tell you how many times I've had my phone on, my ringer's on, it's in my pocket. You're never going to get a hold of me because I cannot hear you at that point because of other stuff that's going on. But if you have an earpiece in, everybody that's a key volunteer has an earpiece in, uh, that way you can communicate if something needs to be communicated. And think about this as well. During your program, when something's going on, if something's happening with production or with a caterer or something else, and you're the producer of the program, somebody across the room needs to get in touch with you, um, your phone's going to be off anyway. Okay, for the program, it should be. So your ringer's off for your phone. How's somebody going to communicate with you? If they can't find you, how are they going to communicate with you? Earpieces are critical. Think of Secret Service, how they have the little earpieces in. And again, particularly for a large venue, have earpieces in so everybody on your key volunteer team can communicate instantly if something arises. Number four, consider having a VIP reception uh, for larger donors and influence leaders, key volunteers. Uh, this is just a really great way. It's an easy way to say thank you, uh, a special thank you for people who just go above and beyond. And you want to have this in a section, uh, separate section of the venue, uh, separate room or whatever. Um, and if you ask your speaker, most of the time speakers are more than happy to be at the reception and to greet people one-on-one, which is a great perk for people who want to meet your speaker. Uh, I recently did an event where we asked a speaker to bring copies of her book and to sign them for our guest at the reception. She was thrilled to do that and um, you know, we paid for the books she signed them we gave them to the people invited to the reception and yes it, you know it cost a little bit to buy the books but it's a great investment it's an investment in relationship it's an investment into making it a wonderful evening for those who are coming to support your cause tip number five I encourage you to do a walkthrough with all of your participants. If possible, do it the night before. Everybody except the speaker. In most cases, your speaker is going to be flying in or driving in day of. So you're probably not going to have the speaker there. But your sound guys, uh, and your light guys, if you've got those involved with this, your key volunteers, ushers, uh, everybody who's got anything to do with the program should be there for a walkthrough, preferably the night before. Now, sometimes that's not possible in the case of, say, a venue does not want to give you access to that venue the night before. In that case, you want to do it early to mid-afternoon. Don't do it an hour or a half hour before your program starts. If you've ever done an event of any size at all, you know that as time starts to funnel down, as you get closer to an event, it seems like everything just picks up speed and you can count on there's going to be last minute stuff that you have to take care of. So you don't want to be in a walkthrough with participants 30 minutes before your door opens and you've got all kind of issues going on. Do it the night before or do it early to mid-afternoon. It's not only a way to make sure everybody's on same page. It's also a great time to pray for the success of the event. So do a walkthrough. Don't just count on everybody knowing what they're supposed to do. Walk through and walk walk through every aspect of the program. Number six, have key volunteers position to say thank you to people who are leaving the event. You know, that's a little thing that you can overlook. People have come, they've invested two hours of their life to be at your event. They've supported your event. They're excited about being there and just top off the entire experience by having people who say thank you uh, when your guests are leaving for the evening.
evening. I always think of Disney World and the Magic Kingdom. I mean, if you've ever been there, you know that one of the special things they do is as guests are leaving for the evening, uh, you have Disney workers um, tell you the entire way out of the park, thanks for coming, waving goodbye, and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because they want you to leave on a high note and leave wanting to come back. It's the exact same thing you want to do with your guests who are coming to this event. Say thank you. And that that gives them a, a final positive experience at your event, and they want to come back next year and support what you're doing. Uh, number seven, uh, you want to order the caterer to stop clearing dishes at a particular part of the program. Normally, this is when all of the introductions and stuff are done. Everybody stood up and they waved, you know, that you want to introduce for the night. I consider that the transition from sort of the dinner to introductions and then the program starts. And when the program starts, you need to make sure your caterer knows, hey, no more cleaning and clanking of dishes and silverware. If it's still on the table, it stays on the table until the program's over with. Now, key to this is making sure that you have one person in charge who works with the caterer. Make sure that one person that you've assigned is there with the caterer uh, so and making sure that they stop doing all the clearing dishes and stuff when you've identified it as a stop time to do that. That person does nothing else for the entire evening but sticks with the caterer to make sure the food's served on time and to make sure the caterer stops clearing the dishes. There's nothing more annoying and distracting at an event than when your keynote speaker is starting to speak and people are hearing dishes uh, as workers are throwing them in the plastic pails or whatever, cleaning off silverware, glasses, or all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, I've done a lot of events where catering personnel they really could care less if they're making noise. So the only way you enforce that is you make it clear prior to the event with the caterer that you will stop doing clearing of dishes and other stuff at the time that you identify during the program. Um, number eight, use a text call to action from stage. This is a great way to capture people's cell phone numbers. There are a lot of different uh, text programs that you can use out there. I'm uh, particular to one that I use very effectively, but however you do this, when you call, uh, when you have a call to action, and you have people text uh, this call to action. You just captured their cell phone number. You should be using a program that they opt in to receive future communications from you. You have now captured the quickest, most efficient way to communicate with your donor base that exists. It's not email anymore. It's texting. And when you have a text call to action, not only do they have an immediate uh, action point uh, that they can engage in, but you've now captured their cell phone so that you can communicate with them instantly when you need to do that. That's key. Use a text call to action. We may do an entire series on that uh, actually at some point. And I can just tell you a sort of a tip upon a tip. One of the most effective ways to do this is before you tell them what the action point is, you have everybody in the room take their smartphone out, hold it as high up in the air as they can. That way, again, you've grabbed their attention. They have the cell phone raised up. Now you're ready to move them to action. Number nine, uh, use centerpieces that people can take home. And, uh, this is a great opportunity. You have craft-oriented people, uh, probably all around supporting your organization, who love to do centerpiece, arts and craftsy sort of stuff. Why not do a custom centerpiece that people can actually take home with them after the event? And you can do this a couple of different ways. The easiest way to do it is just say, hey, the centerpiece is at the close of the evening. Uh, you just make an announcement that everybody is welcome to take those centerpieces home with them. And even though you have one per table, I've never seen a fight break out at a pro-life event for people 
arguing over who gets to take the, the centerpiece. Uh, so it's a great just uh, thank you. It's a great close to the evening. You can also do raffles to give those centerpieces away. I caution against that because that can take a whole lot of time. And if it's a smaller event, you can get by with that. If it's a bigger event, you just drag the evening out. And no one wants to sit there for 20 minutes you know, as you're raffling off all the centerpieces. It just doesn't work. So uh, depending on the size of your event, I encourage you just to uh, encourage people to take them home. Now, way back in the day, uh, with one large event I used to do, we would buy the, uh, the glass vases for flowers for like two bucks. And then we were so obsessed with saving money that we wouldn't give them away, but instead we pack them all up at the end of the night. That's a bad idea. I mean, for two bucks for a glass flower vase, give it away. I mean, otherwise you're going to have to pack them in boxes. A lot of them get broke. You lug them back to a storage unit. You have to lug them back out the next year. You know what? It, it's, it's well worth it just to give those things away. And it makes people feel good about it. So use centerpieces that people can take home with them. Now your venue may have a restriction on that you do want to check on it and certainly you don't want to give away the venue centerpieces <laughs> so you may want to uh, verify that the centerpieces you're giving away are your centerpieces but it's a great thank you and a great uh, way to close the evening out and number 10 uh, we're going to close with with this part of this discussion number 10 consider using a buffet instead of a sit-down meal now i realize this depends on the part of the country that you're in uh, there may be parts of the country where a buffet is considered anathema that you've got to do a sit-down meal I don't know about that. Uh, my experience is in the Midwest, and buffets are wildly popular. But uh, in, in addition to being popular, buffets are more efficient, and you can move a larger crowd through lines a lot quicker, and people enjoy them because they get to pick out exactly what they want. If you don't want the turkey breast, you get the, you know, you get the um, Salisbury steak or the meatballs or whatever else you've got there, fried chicken, uh, whatever it is. People can pick what they want and not just be subject to what somebody sets down on a plate before them. Uh, it's just Sometimes it's cheaper because the caterer doesn't have to hire additional staff to serve a sit-down meal. But I know for larger events, if nothing else, it's a much quicker way to get a large crowd through a meal line. Uh, it's a buffet, not a sit-down meal. So I do encourage you to look at buffets uh, as a great option to the traditional sit-down meal. So, hey, there you go. Uh, those are 10 of 30 insider tips uh, to improve your pro-life fundraising banquet in 2019. I'm going to be back next time with part two. We're going to cover tips 11 through uh, 20, and I think you're going to enjoy those and get a lot of those, a lot of information out of those as well. And I really hope that when you apply these tips, you're going to raise a whole lot more money for your life saving ministry. And now let me just close with a few things. Number one, uh, you're encouraged to share this episode with others, uh, and to subscribe at the Love Times 2 podcast on Apple Podcasts so you will never miss an episode. You won't miss part two of this discussion. You won't miss miss part three. Subscribe to the Love Times 2 podcast on Apple Podcast. Uh, number two, if you'd like a white paper that includes all 30 of these tips, just send me an email at podcast at org, and I'll be glad uh, to get a copy your way. And number three, you and I both know how important a great speaker is to making your event a success, and you also know how expensive speakers can be. Uh, now, I would never eliminate a speaker based solely on cost alone, because sometimes you have to consider the return on investment. Uh, 
some speakers may be a little bit pricier, but they're going to raise three times more funds than a lower price speaker and your budget can afford it, uh, you may want to consider that. In fact, it may be a really good return on investment. But for most small to mid-sized ministries, uh, the high price speakers that are out there today are just way out of your reach, too much for your budget to absorb. And if that's the case and you need help connecting with a great speaker at an affordable cost uh, for your 2019 fundraising banquet, contact me at podcast at lovetimes2.org and I'll be glad to help steer you to a speaker who will be a perfect fit for your event. Hey, that's it for this episode of the Love Times 2 podcast. Never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.